You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. So give you guys an example before now we get started, before we start the message. I want to share a few things that are, I think, life-changing for most of you. You guys may not know this, but there is a certain kind of drink that I love. And before I get into defining what that is, I want to tell you about four types of fears. And they're going to put them up there for you. The first one is terror. Terror is a bad fear. But there's one, panic. That's another worse fear. Number three is probably one that we've all experienced, which is username or password is incorrect. How many of you have experienced that fear? (laughs) The actual worst fear that I've ever experienced is we're out of coffee. So coffee is very important to me. Uh, Jason Amerson, he, he shares my love of coffee. Um, there's a few of you that do. I actually understand that uh, some of you guys might say, do you really need coffee? Well, this meme will help you out right here. Do you need coffee? And are you Batman? If you said yes, you're a liar. You need coffee. If you said no, you need coffee. And uh, in honor of my children who love Disney, this last one says, don't let anyone ever tell you fairy tales aren't real. I wake up every morning to drink a potion made from magic beans, and it brings me back to life. So give you perspective, I do love coffee. I do respond much better with coffee. Um, I've actually gotten a cup that is what we call Joey approved uh, because I almost spilled coffee one time on his computer. So therefore, now it's spill proof. I don't spill it, but uh, I do enjoy coffee. So I thought that would lighten our conversation before we get started. So go ahead and turn with me uh, to Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. So I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why your descendants of Jacob's are not already destroyed. Kind of find that funny that God says, it's basically, I'm good. It's good that I don't change because if you, if I did change, you all would be dead. I find that interesting. We're thankful that God doesn't change and that he does love us. Um, He's consistent like he is throughout the Bible of being faithful. But verse seven says, ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask... How can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we're about to embark on a message, and I just pray that my words will be your words, that I will represent you well, and I will not say anything that is Peter, but I will say things that are the Lord. And I just thank you for it, and we just give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to carry on a series that Pastor Jody started last week, and it's called, uh, the series is called The Kingdoms at War. How many of you guys realize that there is the uh, kingdom of heaven, and then there's the kingdom of the world? And they are complete opposites. You know, we've uh, just gone through uh, uh, an impeachment 
and uh, uh, you may have uh, the, the Democrats, the Republicans, complete opposite, right? They're never going to come together in agreement. Well, I say the same thing about the kingdoms at war, that the heavenly kingdom, the earthly kingdom, are complete opposite, and what they desire for you is, com- is, is completely different. The kingdom of heavens desires that we want to be blessed and we want to move forward and God has good things in store for us. But the, the kingdom of the earth is complete opposite of that. It's not about you. It's about them, right? So in Malachi chapter 3, um, we shared a couple different things. We shared um, that it, it's the, we're going to be talking about finances and resources, if you guys haven't already figured that out. Um, some of you guys may, I hope not, but some people may be kind of bristled at the fact that I'm talking about finances and, and resources. And I just want to put you at ease right now. I'm not after your money. Cornerstone's not after your money. However, God is after your heart. And we're going to get to that as we go further on. But the first thing I wanted to cover, I wanted to share with you guys, is that tithing is a test. Um, if you look at... Um, ten in the Bible, it actually is. It actually does represent uh, testing. Uh, tithe is one tenth or ten percent, right? So, just to give you an idea of the various times that ten is represented in the Bible uh, and testing, um, you'll kind of get a, see a theme here in a moment as I go through this. So, how many plagues were in the Egypt? This is a great time for audience participation. There were ten. Audience participation. We'll try the next question. How many commandments are there? We all should know that there are 10. Very good, very good, very good. Uh, How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? There we go. How many times was Jacob's wages changed? How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? Right? How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation 10? How many disciples were there? I'm just kidding. They're 12. They're 12. I was just seeing if y'all were paying attention. I noticed the youth were being energetic and said 10, but I appreciate y'all's support. I really do. Tithing is a test. It says so. It specifically says so in Malachi chapter 3, verses 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. House. Actually, I'm going to read it from my Bible because it's a different version. But verse 10, let me get to that. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of the heaven's armies, I will pour out windows of heaven for you. I will pour out blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. God wants us to go through a test. He wants us to experience this test, and he wants us to succeed at this test that he's going to give us, right? How many of you guys get paid monthly? Okay. How many of you guys get paid uh, weekly? How many gets paid either bi-monthly or twice a month? Okay, as a believe it or not, it's interesting. Vast majority of you guys. Um, what I find interesting is that every time you guys receive a paycheck, you receive a test. You have a test of saying, "Hey, am I going to put God first in my tithes and offerings um, of the resources that He's blessed us with?" And What's cool is in that verse it says that if you will do it, he's going to open up the windows of heaven for you and you'll pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. The next part of that verse, it says, try it and put me to the test. Now, I don't know about you guys. My experience of testing was not always the best. I remember a lot of times walking into class 
with my with my notebook and my things kind of just strolling into class thinking I'm cool, walking in, and everybody's at their desk doing this, kind of looking through some stuff. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we got a test. And I'm like, what test? And that was more often than not. None of us enjoy tests. Anybody, is there an odd individual? I don't want to call you that up front, but is there somebody that enjoys testing? Okay, there's one person I'm not going to point her out, but she enjoys testing. I don't know, other than her now, I don't know anybody else that does enjoy testing. He says, hey, you know what, I'm excited about taking accounting or whatever test it is. However, we want people that we go see to have taken tests. Let me give you an example. How many of you guys want to go to a doctor that has not taken a test? Not very many of us. We all want to know that that doctor has gone through some processes, has gone through some uh, tests to say he actually knows what he's talking about. He knows that the difference between a liver and a heart, that's kind of an important thing for someone to know. Um, Our mechanic, we want our mechanic to know the difference between, well, we don't have carburetors, but fuel injection compared to carburetors. I I don't know the difference, so uh, don't let me work on your car. Um, we all we want people that th- we want people to know what they're talking about, and and basically we all go through tests and we all go through trials. Excuse me, we all go through tests when it comes to our finances. Now, some of you guys might say that, you know, what, what is the point of a test? And we're going to get to that in the second point. But to give you a little precursor, testing is all about your heart. God's after your heart. Okay. But he does, he says, he says he's going to give you a test. Now, some people might say, well, where, Malachi is in the Old Testament. Is that really the, what the Bible's saying? Is that really what we're supposed to be doing? Um, you know, we're under, you know, we're deemed. And I'm not going to get into a whole lot of it, but I do want to share a couple things. In Matthew chapter 23, 23, it says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees? And, of course, this is Jesus speaking. Hypocrites, for you are careful to to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And here's the key point. He said, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So we are supposed to tithe. I mean, there you got Jesus talking about it. But you can actually go back all the way back to um, Genesis, and it talks about, God giving, or or excuse me, I think it's Abraham giving of the tithe uh, to Melchizedek. But even more importantly, let me just draw the the perspective of what I believe the Bible talks about, the principle of generosity and the principle of putting God first. And and that's really what tithe is about. If you go all the way back to the very beginning to uh, Genesis 1, where you're talking about Adam and Eve, and you go all the way back, God gives them this entire place of, of, of the Garden of Eden, this huge thing. He says, this tree, that tree, those trees, you can all swing from them. You can climb them. You can build tree forts in them. You can eat all the fruit in those trees. You can dig them up. You can dig this. You can do whatever. I feel like Dr. Seuss. You can do this. You can do that. You can do whatever. Um, he says, you can do whatever you want. You, you have complete control. But he says, that one tree right there in the middle, he says, don't touch that one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I believe that's kind of what God's saying to us. He's saying, hey, all this world is yours. I'm asking you put me first in this one aspect. So let me ask you a question. Why do you think God asks to put us first in this one aspect? 
Well, that's point number two. It's all about the heart. God wants to connect with you. He wants to know that he has your heart. And let me, let me ask you a question. We'll actually go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. It says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires your heart will also be. Um, my wife wants me, wants, wants me to, I'm not saying that right. My wife wants my treasure to be her, as does every wife. And every husband should desire that the opposite, that their wife, that they are the treasure of their wife. My wife is incredibly important to me. Anybody that's heard my phone ring, it sings some abstract song. But in the song, it says, beautiful, beautiful in the lyrics. I don't even know who sings it. But that's her ringtone because that's what I call my wife. She's beautiful to me. I, on a side note, I'm a firm believer in speaking what I desire over, the, over things. For example, the fact that I call my wife beautiful. She is beautiful to me, and therefore I call her that on a regular basis. Do you by chance, and I'm not pointing fingers, but do you call your kids stupid? Do you say, you are so dumb? Do you think, my kids are so obnoxious? Do I say, my wife is my old lady? I don't want to speak, this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I don't want to confess that my wife is an old lady. I don't know about you guys, but that's me. That's why I confess that my wife is beautiful. She already is. And I believe as I continue to confess it, she will always be beautiful in my eyes. And she is. So, side note there. Just throw that in there. But God's all about the heart. He wants our heart more than anything. So, scripturally, tithing is a test, but it's, it's, about, it's also about our hearts. Let me give you an example. Hypothetically, I have, let's just say I have twins. I've got a, a daughter. And let's say they're old enough to drive, and I've got a son. Son's typically the ones that get in trouble, so you kind of get the idea, so we'll make it a son. I am a little biased to just all girls, just saying, uh, if you didn't know that. Um, so my daughter says to me, says, hey, I want to go to a party on Friday. And uh, I say, okay, fine, no problem. Be back by 11 o'clock. She says, okay, no problem, Dad. My son goes, hey, I want to go to a party too. And I said, okay, no problem. Be back by 11 o'clock. Okay. My daughter comes home, 10.45. She's in the, in the driveway. By 10.59, she's brushed her teeth. She's in her jammies. She's ready for bed. She's met the expectation that I've asked of her, right? Son, on the other hand, probably a little more like I was when I was a kid. When I was a kid 11 o'clock comes, 11 o'clock goes. About 11.15, 11.20, strolling in, and I might go, hey, why are you so late? And he's like, well, you know... Party got a little carried away, and I was just having a good time, and I was a little late, no big deal. Well, as a dad, I don't think that's quite accurate. So come next Friday, daughter says, hey, I want to go to a party. Not a problem. She says, hey, can I, can I go to 1130 instead? Sure you can, because I know she's been faithful to be home when I've asked her to be home. Son, on the other hand, comes to me and says, hey, I want to go to a party too. Well, no, we've, we've got to have some more discussion about last party because you didn't do what I've asked you to do the first time. Therefore, I don't feel like I can trust you with what I've given you or what I've, with, with more responsibility. I'm going to give this one child more response or, or more freedom, and this one child, I don't want to give them too much because I don't know what they're going to do, and I don't want them to hurt themselves. It's not because I don't like them or I'm upset with them. It's because it's really about their protection. Let me give you another example. 
Same scenario, boy, excuse me, boy, girl, and I give them each a credit card. Hey, I will pay for one tank of gas a month, and if there's an emergency, you've got something to pay for, uh, just in case. You know, if you can't get a hold of me, boom, you've got the credit card. That's what that's there for. Um, it's not for dinners, things like that. Daughter, one time, she does, a, uh, she does the, uh, the, the one time of gas. Son, on the other hand, says, well, there was four of them. I, you know, first week was great, Dad. Second week, I was thinking, well, he won't mind. Third week, I didn't have enough cash because I wanted to go to the movie. And which one am I going to be more happy with and, more, and give more responsibility? This one is going to be able to keep the credit card, and I'm going to allow her to move forward and keep doing what she's doing. This one here, I'm going to take that credit card and be like, you know, if you get down on the side of the road, then call me. And if I can't answer, call me in the morning, and maybe I'll come get you. There is a little difference between a boy and a girl, how you treat them, but on a side note, I'll tell you a funny story. Between my, I have an older sister who's six years older than I am and an uh, older brother. My sister was close to the end of college, and uh, she was home for the weekend, and she goes to Dad and goes, Dad, I don't have enough money to get gas to get home, and hopefully she hears this message, and I'll embarrass her, but... So, and of course, my dad instantly, well, you don't have any money, sweetheart? Well, let me just pull this out here and pulls out cash and hands it to her. And I'm like, I don't have any money for gas. And he goes, yeah, I get a job. And he walks away. <laughs> Seriously. True story. We brought it up to him a couple Christmases ago. And I was like, you remember that? He just laughs and goes, I don't remember that. <laughs> Selective memories of fathers. <coughs> Excuse me. I apologize for that. Um, so back to the story, it's all about the heart. My desire is I want to I give responsibilities to my kids that say, hey, I trust you, therefore um, I'm going to allow you to do these things. I'm going to give them more responsibilities the more they earn it. When they don't make good decisions, I'm going to curtail it because I don't want to continue to allow that son to go out late at night because obviously he's doing things that he shouldn't be doing. And he's, if he's not listening to me in this one area, also means he's probably most likely not listening to me in another area. And that's what God is, and I, that's why I believe God, when it comes to tithing, why he says, hey, I want you to bring the tithe to me. When you bring the tithe in, I know where your heart is. I know that I can trust you to give you more. God's not going to continue to give us more and more and more resources if all we're going to do is buy this and buy that and buy something new. God's desire is that we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. How are we going to be the hands and feet of Jesus if all we're doing is satisfying our own desires? Which I'm, I'm a firm believer that God doesn't have a problem with us having nice things. But God says he wants to make sure that the things don't have you, that you own things. Things don't own you. So he's all about the heart. I believe that uh, um, many of us sometimes, you guys go ahead and put the picture up uh, this is the best picture I could come up with of an example of how some of us view our attitude towards finances. We kind of have our arms crossed, and we're like, bless God, we're not going to do that. I don't want to do that. And God's saying, hey, look, I just want your heart. That's all I want. That's, that's my youngest, Jaya. I'm really going to embarrass her right now. She, was, she had just gotten into trouble, and she was being made to sit down, but she was defiantly in her mind saying, I'm not sitting down. I'm standing up in my world. I'll go to the next picture, and just to give them a nice picture, here's my beautiful daughters uh, at Thanksgiving. 
So um, just a shout out to my kids. Bear some as much as they can. Keep them humble. Um, so it's all about the heart. Um, I believe that uh, tithing is a blessing. And uh, when we do it the way God intends, he tends to reward us. Just like we, as a, as a parent, I reward my children when they make good decisions and allow them more freedom and so on. That's what God's saying when it comes to our, our finances and our resources. He wants to change our heart. He doesn't want us to have a selfish heart. Um, his desire is that we're generous. Um, why did, I believe, why did God create giving? His goal was to, uh, to work out selfishness and greed out of our life. Think back to when you're, when you're for those that are parents, or if you're not a parent, um, think about when you were a kid. What is the, one of the first words that most kids learn? Mine. First word that they say, bless God, doesn't matter what it is, it's mine. Don't touch it, it's mine. And if you have it, it's mine too, right? That's what, that's what most kids start off with. And what's our responsibility as a parent? Our responsibility is trying to teach them to share. We say, hey, share. Alicia experienced this far more than Jaya did just because she doesn't have, Jaya doesn't have a younger sister or a younger sibling. But there were many times where like, hey, you need to share that with your sister. She says, it's mine. I don't care. She has some of my stuff. Just give it to her because we don't want her to continue to cry. You need to share. <laughs> and in a way, that's kind of what we are in reality. It's it, in the same way that God, God, we're teaching people to share because when, we get, when they get older, we want them to be able to... to to be nice people to be around. We don't want, how many of us have met selfish people? We, no one wants to be around a selfish person because they're, it's all about them and they're the, in their world, they're the center of the earth. Our job as parents is to try to teach, teach our kids that they're not the only person in this earth and that they've got to share and they've got to be generous and they've got to be, uh, get along with other people. And that's really what God's wanted us to, to realize is that we're not the center of the earth. It's not about us. It's about him. Now, he wants us to be blessed, and he wants good things for us, but it doesn't change the fact that he wants, um, he, he wants to make sure our heart is about him. Um, give you guys an example. I'm a firm believer in the principle of giving, 100%. I believe scripturally it talks about it, Galatians chapter 6. Uh, I'm going to actually, for time's sake, I'm just going to read 7 and 8. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. doesn't matter what it is. You will always harvest it. And those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from this sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Verse 7, you will always harvest what you plant. Never fails. If I plant goodness... And generosity to others, the Bible says, I will reap that. If I plant complaining and um, back-talking and whatever it is, that is also what I'm going to reap. Uh, scripturally, it talks about that all the way through the Bible. There's examples of it. Um, the uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I'm a firm believer that God wants us to be givers. Not just in finances and resources, 
but in every aspect of our life because he's modeled that. He modeled it from the very beginning in Genesis all the way to the end. I mean, for those of you, think about it. He gave his son for each of us. There is no greater gift that we can receive. And all he's asking is, hey, I'm asking just, I'm going to test you. I'm not asking you to give me all your money back or I'm not asking you to give of your, all your time where all you do is, is, is just walk around the church all day long. What he's asking is he's saying, hey, I want to test you. I'm going to say, give me 10%, whatever it is, 10%. It's an even number. I would love to see us go to a tax system where it was an even tax across the board, 10%, no matter what I made. Easy to figure out our taxes. Think about how nice that would be. April 15th wouldn't even be a problem. 10%. That's easy to figure out. Boom, we're done. But God says, hey, whether I make 100 bucks and it's a $10, or whether I make a million dollars and it's $100,000 a tithe, tithe is 10%. He's saying, hey, I'm going to test you. The test is going to be the same whether you make a dollar or you whether you make a million dollars. But you're going to have that test for the rest of your life. But the question is, the real question is, it's not so much about the test. The purpose of the test is to determine where your heart is. And I'll give you an example from, I'm a firm believer in that this works. I, I can very much, very thankful. I grew up in a home where my mom taught me this religiously. I remember getting paid in dimes. I had a dollar allowance, and I got paid in dimes to make it easy. I knew that that first dime was my tithe. And so for me... I'm going to be honest with you. It's probably a little bit easier because I grew up with it as a kid. But the reality is I've had many opportunities to test this out. And the one that pops out to my memory is I remember we were at um, Bible school where anybody remembers uh, in school, you don't have any money for anything. I mean, we're, you're broke. You're, you're going, what am I going to eat? Bless God. Okay, there's a little bit of peanut butter. We'll just eat that, you know. Um, and so I remember as... Uh, uh, well, Melissa and I were married, just to uh, let you know. So we were married, and I remember working, and we knew we were going to be able to go home and see our family. And our desire was to be able to buy everybody a Christmas present. Even though we didn't have much money, that's what we wanted, but we knew we didn't have enough money. For us, tithing wasn't an option. We had tuition, and then we had all this rent and all this other stuff. We had just enough to be able to make it home and without gifts. And I remember going in to pay our December tuition and being blown away that they're like, oh, your tuition's already paid for the month of December. And I'm thinking, what? Who paid my tuition? And I called Melissa, and I'm like, did you pay? She's like, no, I didn't pay it. That's why I sent you with a check. Should have been my first thought. Um, (laughs) But guys, we have to just make sure, you know, was she just testing me to see if I was going to do it? Um, and, And it was paid. And I attribute that. To, to my heavenly father providing that. But I attribute it because I was I passed the test of the aspect of tithing. And, and, and it's not about me. I'm just wanting to give you examples from my own life that I believe 100% in what I'm sharing with you. And it's something that we live as a family. My daughter, something we've taught her. And she's sitting there telling me the other day that they got a discussion with it at work. And some of the people are like, I'm not going to give it to the corrupt church. Wow. Which the reality is it's not about the church and it's not about that. The reality is what those individuals are missing is it's a test because God wants your heart. He doesn't care about the resources. He doesn't care about the money. Our God is the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He has everything he needs. He doesn't need your money. 
He needs your heart. But your heart shows you where your, excuse me, your money shows you where your heart is. And so uh, I'll just give you another example. Uh, a few years ago, my wife started her own uh, business. And early on, God impressed on her. She said, you know what? First client came to her, and she said, in her mind, she had felt like God told her, said, don't accept the payment from that first client. I want you to tithe that first payment to me. In other words, never accept the payment. And she said, okay. So she came to me and told me she's going to do it, and I thought, that is awesome. She now has 10 clients. She still ties that, that first client and says, I'm not going to take any, any income. I'm not going to take a um, payment from you as long as you're my client. And she never has. And I attribute the blessing that's on that business and the, the nine other clients that she has simply because she said, I'm going to put God first in this business. And on a side note, she also does tithe of the income into that business. But again, it's about the heart. She felt God was telling her to do this, and she said, that's what God wants. That's what I'm going to do. And she was quick to do it. And again, I'm not saying, hey, look at us. What I'm trying to show you is that God blesses your heart. Excuse me. God blesses you as an individual when your heart is about him. That's really all it is about. And I can promise you that Pastor Jody, Pastor Stephen, uh, Pastor Cherish, Pastor Ronnie, uh, Gary and Carolyn, any one of these individuals can tell you, and I'm just calling out people that I have a relationship with, can sit there and tell you story after story of God's blessing when you choose to put him and honor him first. Um, his heart is, God's heart is, uh, uh, he wants to develop a generous heart in us. And, and I recently started reading a book called um, just make sure I say it right, 40-day prayer challenge. And the point of the book is taking 40 days and praying daily for five minutes with, for me, it was for my wife. If you're not married, maybe it's with a best friend or a brother or somebody like that. But finding somebody that you come together and pray together. Going back to the story, the beginning of the horses, power and agreement. Scripture says when two or more agree upon one thing, it shall be done. So the value of that, right? Well, I'm amazed I'm a, I even hate saying it, I'm a pastor and I should know the power of agreement. But I was amazed at how much just taking five minutes every day with my wife over the past, we've been doing it for about 20, 30 days, how much it changed my heart to be even more so about my wife. Just taking that five minutes. And I think that's the principle that God's trying to show us in this case Really, the more time you spend with me, the more we become closer. The more we become closer together, and the more I know you have my heart. That's what it's all about. He's wanting to have our heart. Um, Luke 6.38, the one thing I wanted to draw back to is that it says, For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you, whether it's judgment, whether it's condemnation, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's love. He always brings it back. What you've given is what you're going to receive. Goes back to which kingdom are we going to do? Are we going to live under? Are we going to live under the kingdom of heaven where there's blessing and good things in store for us, what the scripture says? And let me be honest with you. If you don't tithe, does that mean God doesn't love you? Example of our situation here. 
son that's choosing to make bad decisions, I still love that son. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to do everything I can to help him succeed. But I'm also going to do everything to try to get a hold of his heart. And that's what God does with us. He's doing everything he can to draw us closer to him, to draw us closer, to, to get grab hold of our hearts. And that's what God's wanting us to do. You know, a lot of times we think about um, how many of us, you know, we, we sing songs about being an overcomer. How many of you guys want to be an overcomer? Right? We all want to be an overcomer. But, you know, I heard a quote that says, to be an overcomer means you're going to be challenged. We're going to face face challenges in life. The question comes down is, whose heart, who has your heart? Is it going to be the earthly kingdom where we're going to respond out of, I've got to protect what's mine? Or are we going to respond out of the kingdom of heaven and we're going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put God first. And then he, it's his responsibility to protect what's ours. I encourage you, just to remind you, it's a test. It's about your heart. And I encourage you to evaluate yourself and say, where is your heart? What's the biggest priority in your life? We're going to invite the prayer team, excuse me, not the prayer team, we're going to invite the worship team up now. Let's go ahead and uh, bow our heads and close our eyes. And um, I'm just going to pray over you guys. Heavenly Father, I just pray that the things that I shared, that you will... um, Move on people's heart to realize that you are about us, Father, that you want a relationship with us more than anything else. And part of being in a relationship means that affection belongs to you and that love belongs to you. And, Lord, I just pray that as people are tested, that they'll honor you. I pray that they'll experience a relationship of a true relationship with you where Love is the key and where you say, I'm going to take care of you. You're just a good God and we just thank you for it. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.